0: In case I haven't met you yet, my name is Troy and I'm the pastor here at City Church and as our church family has probably noticed, myself and my wife Melody, we're actually not with you there this morning on site at City Church and there's a really exciting reason for that, Um, for something we've been wanting to do for about two years is finally happening today. About two years ago, I had a conversation with one of my great friends, Pastor Rob Thomas, from Church of the Harvest. And we said, hey, wouldn't it be so cool if we could do a pulpit swap one Sunday morning where you could come preach at City Church and I could go preach at Church of the Harvest. Uh, And we put a date on the calendar and then this massive pandemic hit. And we said, you know what, maybe this isn't the best time for that. And we've actually rescheduled it a couple of times. Over the last two years, and every time we reschedule it, uh, there's a COVID flare up here, or there's a COVID flare up over there, or something has happened where we haven't been able to do it. But thankfully, by the grace of God, it's going down today. So City Church, you are in for a treat. Pastor Rob, his wife Shauna, are here from Church of the Harvest this morning, and Pastor Rob is going to be sharing from his heart about the Holy Spirit. As you know, we're journeying through our Conviction Series. We're in part three today about what we believe In our statement of faith. But Pastor Rob isn't going to really dig into our statement of faith, obviously, because it's our statement of faith. But he's very like minded when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And since we covered what we believe about the Holy Spirit so in depth last fall in our series, The God I Never Knew, this was a perfect opportunity to kind of step away from the statement of faith for a week. Um, And he's just going to share with you who the Holy Spirit is and how he functions. In our lives, I think it's going to be life-giving to you. It's going to be encouraging. Uh, you're going to learn a lot. So grab your notepad, your pen, your Bible, and be, you're ready for God to speak to you. Would you join me in welcoming Pastor Rob and Shauna from Church of the Harvest? Come on, City Church, let's give it up!
1: Good morning, Dwindle. Those lights are bright, man. Wow, <laughs> couldn't see a daggone thing for the second there. So, morning, everybody. Uh, Robin Sean. we're lead pastors Church of the Harvest. Um, many of you know where we're at, just just down the road, and we've loved our time with you guys over the years. And uh, we we were just talking about that, about um, where that, how far back that relationship goes. I, I know that um, before we had the building we have right now on uh, on 302. Uh, we met at Whispering Woods. And were any of you all around back then at, at Whispering Woods? When uh, that—that's where we first we were meeting in, in ballrooms next to each other, and uh, and we kind of built this relationship uh, during that time. But you had you were you I were thinking, was
2: thinking about the first time I really remember um, meeting Pastor Troy is we actually were doing a a, a we joined you guys for youth camp. Yeah, it was out in uh, what Millington were there. area I think um, something. Some state park out there, and I actually, guys, I don't always keep my notes like in my phone. But I looked up, and if I go down, my oldest note in my phone was a message by Pastor Troy called "Unstoppable" at that youth camp. And um, and guys, and it was awesome. That was just the beginning, I believe, of a relationship and a friendship um, that our two churches have come together. Not just our two churches, but we truly see Pastor Troy and Melody as friends. They've been in our home and had a meal. We've been in their home and had a meal. When we've had bad days we've reached out to each other when we've had good days we've reached out to Mm -hmm. each other and so it's just awesome to to see you guys because i I know a lot of you through facebook i've met a lot of you in person we've done a few services together over the years and so i'm just excited for this morning. yeah
1: it's gonna be good so uh you know uh, you know with that in mind we were uh, like Pastor Troy said, we, th- he brought this idea up about two years ago, and I was like, what a great idea, and then this crazy little virus came into our lives and kind of kind of changed things just, to, just a little bit and threw our, our schedules up in the air, but you know, I was thinking many pastors wouldn't dare do such a thing uh, as swap their pulpit with somebody else. Uh, yet it's funny, we had a meeting with some of our elders last night, and it was the first time we actually, we told our elders that Pastor Troy and Melody going to be there in the morning, and, and one of our elders said, well, what if we like Pastor Troy better? Uh, Laughter. I said, then you can head on down the road. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but, but here's the thing, guys. Pastor Troy, Melody, and Sean and I, we, we have something, I think, that, you know, we, we see a lot of pastors out there, like I said, that wouldn't do this kind of thing because of insecurities. And because, um, because they don't understand the way the kingdom works. Uh, we we're we are one body I, we, we tell, I tell Church of the Harvest I, I say it every week i say we 're a small expression of the body of Christ. I know you guys have small groups, we have small groups as well, but but I, I said our, our gathering that we call Church of the Harvest is simply a small group in the body of christ we 're not any better than another we 're all family right we 're all gathered together for the same purposes and and, and, and so that 's what I always say every week. I said the Lord has brought us together in these gatherings because He's recognized that we're stronger together than we are individually. And so we've chosen to link arms and fulfill God's purposes together. But guess what? We also recognize that we're stronger as we link arms with City Church. And, and other churches in the region and, and, and all over and recognize that, that we're one family. We have the same mission. We have the same purpose. Amen? So and guys, and I, guys I, I, like Pastor Troy, I like it when folks talk back. It's, it's so much easier. So it so make, make, makes it easy. So, um, so Pastor Troy's been speaking on convictions, and I went back and looked a little bit about at that, at what he's been teaching, and what we believe as, as Christ followers. You know, I, I kind of, at our church, I, I, I've gotten away a little bit from the, from the, the term Christian. Christian means, is so loosely used today. Well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I was baptized Lutheran church when I was three. You know, it's like, okay, you know, cool. But, but are you a Christ follower? Are you following him with your life? You know, that's what it's all about. And and so I I love this that he's talking about convictions and what we believe because uh, it's so important today that we know who we are. And to know who we are, we got to know what we believe. In the midst of that, and so I know a couple of weeks ago he talked about the Father, what we believe in regards to the Father. Last week he talked about what we believe in regards to Jesus, and and as you've heard a couple of times now, I, I'm going to continue in talking about the Holy Spirit for a few minutes. And and like he said, I, he had told me that you guys did that series on the Holy Spirit last fall, and so you know we will we'll keep it brief now. I mean, hopefully, does it? What a big topic. We can talk about the Holy Spirit for months, right? I mean, it's like, it's it's so huge, and and I've got so many notes, but uh, but but. I I, I just got the thinking in this, and I, and I was like, "Lord, what, what would you have me say in regards to the Holy Spirit and who He is in our lives?" And so, oh, and I'll say this too: uh, you know, it's amazing how in our world today, the Holy Spirit has almost become a sensitive subject. Um, a, a lot of churches don't even don't even talk about the Holy Spirit anymore, and I, you know, there's there's a number of reasons for that. But uh, but you know, I, I think that. Most of what I'm going to talk about today is not controversial in the body of Christ. There are fundamentals we need to understand about the Holy Spirit and, and who he is. And so I'm going to share those with you. And, uh, and so I've got three points. If you're, if you're taking notes, I'm going, I'm going to give you three things, just real basic, that I just want to, I, I, when I think of the Holy Spirit and who he is to us as humanity, the, this is what I think of. And the first one is, is very simple, but I want you to understand um, it's important that we understand the first point before we get to the rest. And the first point I want to make is, number one, is that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. Uh, it's amazing how uh, many times we hear the Holy Spirit referred to as uh, almost like an it. And, and, and you know, that's, that's not what the Bible shows. It's kind of like he's, he's Casper the Friendly Ghost flying around, right? And, and here's the thing, guys. We look at Scripture, and the Holy Spirit is not some strange, magical, mystical force, he, he's Star Wars. He's not the force, right? He, he's not. Uh, the, the Bible tells us that he has been the third person of the Godhead since the beginning of time and beyond that into, into eternity. Always has been. And, you know, we, we think about it. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not his first and last name, right? Uh, it, it, Holy Spirit is really his function. You have, you have God the Father, you have God the Son, and you have God the Holy Spirit. If He has a name, His name is God. Okay? God the Father, the Godhead, each part of the Godhead has a function. I talked about this a couple of months ago with, with our church family, about how each part of the Godhead has a function. So you've got God the Father. God the Father, he has the will. He has the vision for mankind. And then you've got God the Son being Jesus, right? Jesus is the executor. He executes the will of God, and we saw that through him coming and giving his life on our behalf, right? Redeeming us um, from the curse of sin. So he executed the will of God for mankind. And then you've got God, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the healer of the plan of God to mankind. And so when you look at it that way, um, the Holy Spirit, he, he is very much a person and he is alive and active in the life of every believer, every, every Christ follower. Now, most churches today, most people, most believers today, I don't think under, have this perspective and understanding of the Holy Spirit um, as a person. They, they almost see him. They, they they see God the Father and they see God the Son and then the Holy Spirit's kind of a kind of a side note in this. And and the funny thing is, we have we have no problem picturing God the Father as a person. We probably picture Morgan Freeman or something, right? God the Father, and and then God the Son. We can picture him, Jim Caviezel or whoever you you know picture when when you think of of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, it's, we, we, we don't have this, this image and this picture of who the Holy Spirit is, and so thus we don't view him really as a person. But he is no less God than the Father or Jesus. Does that make sense? So looking at Scripture, I, I, I'm actually not going to use a whole, lot, a whole lot of Scripture in this first point, um, but I, I just want to reiterate to you that in Scripture, it is clear that he has a mind, a will, and emotions now, we, we call that a soul, right? That's, that's what makes up our personality and who we are, our mind, our will, and emotions. He has an intellect. He, he has a will. He has emotions because we, we know he can be grieved, right? And he can also be full of joy. And so these are things that make up personality. The Holy Spirit is not weird. And everything, everything the Holy Spirit does is absolutely intentional, and it's done with purpose. So... Why do we have issues sometimes with the Holy Spirit within the church? And, and I think that is caused that many of us have seen people that have done weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say this first. Some of them folks would still be weird without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay, Some of them would. Right? But understand this too. On the other hand, we call things weird that we don't understand. And things that we haven't encountered. And so I think with that in mind, you know, everything in life was weird to us at some point because we hadn't encountered it. And so I've come to the place in my life where I recognize that we've got to be very careful sometimes automatically dismissing something that we haven't encountered before and we don't have understanding of. Because the Bible does tell us that his ways are higher than our ways, right? And so we got to use discernment. we got to know when things are of God and when they're not. Right? But I think that we've got to be open to the understanding of the way that he moves. But no matter what weirdness you may have seen before connected with the name Holy Spirit, he's, he's not weird. Uh, we, we talk about how the Holy Spirit is, he, he comes to move supernaturally natural through our lives. And so you can be a normal person and believe in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. don't have to be goofy or weirdo or, you know, anything like that. Um, I think one of the greatest schemes of the devil was to make people, especially Christians, afraid of the Holy Spirit because he plays such an active role in our lives as Christ followers. Satan doesn't want us moving and flowing in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And so what does he do? He starts some weird stuff that gets us all afraid, and all of a sudden we're not talking about it anymore to the point that we're resisting the Holy Spirit. So my point is, that in that first point, is that the Holy Spirit is a person. He has a personality. He has a mind. He has a will. He has emotions. He's not weird. He is dedicated to drawing all of humanity to the Father. And so I want to talk a little bit about the function of the Holy Spirit, of God the Holy Spirit. Now, remembering, like I just said, he, he, he operates to, to draw all men, all, all mankind Uh, to the Father. So what is the will of the Father for humanity? Well, I I found it most simply in 2 Peter 3, 9, and and you've you've heard this before. It says, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you. How many would say, thank you, Jesus. He's been patient with me. He's not wishing for any to perish, but that all would come to repentance. What does the Father want? The Father wants relationship with you and with me and with all Of mankind. He doesn't want us to perish. He wants us to repent and to come back into fellowship with Him. So, what is the role of the Holy Spirit? He executes, I'm sorry, He reveals the will of the Father. So, what's He doing? What's what's He doing every day in our lives and the lives of those around us? He is revealing the love of the Father and He's drawing us back to Him. Everything that the Holy Spirit does points to the Father through Jesus. Everything the Holy Spirit does points to the Father. Through Jesus, and so that brings me to my second point. So, firstly, the Holy Spirit is a person. We got to understand that because that sets up the rest of it. So we understand. And number two, the Holy Spirit convicts mankind of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts mankind of sin. Now we think of that, then we're like, "Mm, wow, convicts us of sin. Now, now, when you think about this for a minute, if you go back to if you go back to Genesis chapter 6, we, we all know the story of, of, of Noah, right? Uh, mankind, the Bible says that mankind, the, the sin, the wickedness of the earth, it says, was exceedingly great. And so, so God comes to Noah and he declares his intention to basically wipe mankind on the face of the earth, right? He said, look, I'm starting over. I'm starting over with you and your family. And he's, he's like, I'm done. And so because he says that, that um, the imagination of mankind's heart was only evil continually. And God said, what he said was, he said, my spirit will not always strive with man. And the word spirit, uh, y'all might have talked about this last fall, is the word pneuma. In, In our translation, it's got a capital S, the word my spirit, capital S, talking about God, the Holy Spirit, will not always strive with man. It's the word pneuma, and it means breath, breath of God. So what we know here in this is that even in the days of Noah, God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was striving with the people during that time. The Holy Spirit was convicting them of sin way back then, way back during the times of Noah. The Spirit was working. He was was convicting them of sin, but they were rejecting the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They knew what they were doing was evil. They knew it. So... What did they do? They closed their hearts. They closed their minds to the conviction of the Spirit. And God says, it will not always be. My Spirit will not always strive with man. And what happened? It began to rain, right? And so if you look at John 16, verses 8 through 11, this is Jesus. And Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit here. And it says, and when, what's the next word? He, right? Everybody say he. He. When he comes, Jesus always refers to him as a he, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because they go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, we don't tend to like the word convict or conviction. But you know what the problem is? We misunderstand, we, we, we don't understand the difference between conviction and condemnation. They're two completely different things. Now, the word convict means to prove or declare guilty of an offense. How many of you have been proven or declared guilty of an offense? I need like 180 hands to put to put in the air for my life, right? Now... That, this is how many of us came to Christ. I don't know what your moment personally looked like, but this is what, this is what happened. You recognized that you could not continue in this life on your own. You recognized that you were lost in your sin. You recognized that you were spiritually bankrupt. You owed a debt that you could never repay. of you remember that moment in your life? And so what happened? Whether you knew it or not, it was the Holy Spirit bringing conviction. That's exactly what was happening in that moment. And that was what motivated, that's what drove you to that point where you ran down to the altar or you stopped and you, and you bowed your life in prayer and you surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. It was because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Now, even believers, even Christ followers, uh, we have all you, you may be 50 years past that moment that you received Jesus and bowed your life to him, but we still feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, don't we? We still feel it in our lives, and that's a good thing. What happens? We're, we're going through life, and the, suddenly the state of our life is brought to our attention. And usually it is sin that's highlighted. Why? Because it grieves him. Because it, 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 once we're saved, it doesn't break our fellowship. It, it doesn't break our relationship with the Lord. But it does break down fellowship. I I, I use examples sometimes of of, uh, a parent and a child. I I gave this example last fall at our church, talking about how you got a a mom who's cooking dinner, son comes home and goes straight to the pantry to grab a cookie. She says, hey, no cookies till after dinner. And he puts it back. And a few minutes later, she walks out for a second, comes back in there finishing dinner, and he's got his hand in a cookie jar again. She's like, you go to your room. I'm so disappointed. You disobeyed me. And he puts his head down and he goes to his room, right? And so she says, dinner time. Everybody comes together. What's, what's the little son doing? He's sitting at the table and he's got his head down because he knows fellowship has been broken down. The intimacy between his, is they still mother and son? Absolutely. Their relationship hasn't changed in, in, in any way, but fellowship has broken down until he picks up his head and he says, Mom, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Will you forgive me? Everything changes and, and, and goes back, you know, to, to normal. Fellowship is restored. And, and it's the same way. Um, the Holy Spirit brings this conviction. And, you know, and, and when he does, it, sometimes it does highlight the sin in our life, but, but that's because fellowship is being disrupted and broke down. And, and so we got to respond properly when he brings us conviction, firstly by receiving it. Many times we, we, don't want to, we don't want to admit or receive that, that we're wrong or, we, or we've gotten off track, but we, we receive it and we repent and then we move forward. And, and you know, it, it's the way that God designed things to work. It's the greatest thing is conviction that when we get off track, we're, we're following Jesus and all of a sudden we start chasing this rabbit off. It's like, you know, we're heading off this way. and He comes over and he taps on the shoulder and goes, hey, 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 hey. You, you, you've gotten your eyes off of Jesus. You, you, you're going the wrong way. And you're like, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. And we make a course correction, and we come back on. Does that make sense? Yeah. Getting, back, getting back on track. That's conviction. It's the greatest thing. What a gift the conviction of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Then you've got condemnation. That's not a gift. That's not a gift at all. Conviction to express an unfavorable or adverse judgment. To indicate strong disapproval, the sentence to punishment, to judge or pronounce, to be unfit for service. Yeah, that's not a gift. That's not a good thing. And I'll tell you this. The Holy Spirit never brings condemnation on us. Never. Because here's the thing. As a, as a follower of Jesus, i got people from my church texting me. You tricked you trick me today. Get, I need to turn messages off on of my iPad. The Holy Spirit never brings condemnation. Because here's the thing, he's drawing us to the one who already took and paid for our judgment. Does that make sense? There's no need for the Holy Spirit to, to heap judgment and condemnation on us. Because Jesus took our condemnation and, and his blood, as Dwindle as, as said, his, his blood declares us clean and free. So why would he come along drawing us to the Father, heaping judgment and condemnation upon us? He brings conviction when needed, but never condemnation. When people hear the statement, "The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin," they think the Holy Spirit is up there going, "I, I see you. I saw what you did. You did it again. You promised you wouldn't. Mm, I'm ashamed of you. I'm going to get you." Right, guys. There could be nothing uh, it, further from the truth in that. Does does conviction bring attention to sin? Yeah, it certainly does. But it's not because God's going to get you. What he's doing, he's bringing to our attention our desperate need for a Savior. That we couldn't do this on our own. That we're only worthy through Jesus, right? Because of the price that he paid. Really, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is not as much about sin as it is about Jesus, It's about hope. It's about redemption. It's in no way a negative thing. It's one of the greatest, most positive things in the world. Now, the world, as you guys know, is a, I mean, it's it's a dark place. And, you know, we've got to remember that it is the Holy Spirit's task to convict of sin. Now, how many of you know that it doesn't matter how much you preach at somebody or yell at them or point your finger at them, you can't save them or bring conviction? You can't do it. And now, now we, we, we may try. We may try to, to make somebody feel guilty and try to bring conviction, and it always comes out as condemnation. Because conviction is not our job. Bringing conviction is not our job. We weren't called to do that. We, we'd simply do what he told us to do, and we bring the love of Jesus. We share the good news of the gospel of Jesus, and then we leave the rest to the Holy Spirit. And he's the one that brings the conviction and leads them to salvation. But many times we try to do what the Holy Spirit was designed to do. And many times it's funny because people get discouraged when they try to share their faith with somebody and a person doesn't receive they don't seem to repent or to receive. Now, one, we're, we're putting unrealistic expectations on ourselves. It, it's not our job to make them receive. We, we've got to, stay, we got to stay in our lane. Any of you have trouble staying in your own lane sometimes? We've got to stay in our own lane. We, we weren't meant to do this. We're putting undue pressure on ourselves when we share and we expect them to respond in a certain way. That's not our responsibility. Only the Holy Spirit can convict. Only the Holy Spirit can lead somebody to salvation. You do your part, allow Him to do His. It may be He just brought you that moment just to plant a seed because the next person is supposed to be the one that He uses to to close the deal. Does that make sense? Why would we want to do the Holy Spirit's job? Another example I thought of was Jesus said, Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, right? Y'all remember that? Y'all seem unfamiliar. Jesus said, "Lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover." Now, now a lot of people, a lot of people struggle with that, and they'll be like, "Well, I'm afraid I got this coworker, and I, I probably, I, I, they told me they were struggling. I should, probably should have prayed with them, but, but what if I pray for them? And what if nothing happens? And what if they, what if they don't feel any different? And what if it just causes them to just doubt God all the more? And, and, and what if it just ends up making me look foolish? And and what? And we were told by Jesus to lay hands on the sick. That's the end of our part. That's the end. The rest of it actually isn't even our business. What happens inside of them? in that moment we've got to do our part lay hands on the sick done lord the rest is up to you and we we walk away and we allow him to bring healing however that looks however that comes we've got to stay in our lane it's the holy spirit right we, we we try to we try to do what 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 what's his job we leave the healing part to him we we got to leave the convicting and the saving to him as well so one of the holy spirit's tasks is convict the world of sin now What is the single most basic sin of which the world is guilty at this point? It's Jesus said it's unbelief, not receiving the Son, not receiving Jesus, right? And so the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, helping them to recognize their desperate need for a Savior. He lovingly and patiently points us to Jesus. Now, People say, well, well what, what about that, that unpardonable sin that's mentioned in Scripture, of the Holy Spirit? That, that don't sound very patient and, and, and loving. And, and I, I want to address that real quick. Mark 3, verses 28 29 is where that's found. It says, truly I tell you, people can be forgiven of all their sins. Say all. All, all their sins. And every slander they utter. But then look at verse 29. This is where we get confused. But whatever blaspheme, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. That makes people stop and go, ooh, never forgiven and guilty. It just said in the last scripture, you can be forgiven of all their sins. And then it says, but if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, you can never be forgiven and you're guilty of an unpardonable sin. And I've heard Christians say all kinds of stuff. I've heard, I've heard folks say, well, you know, if you, if you, you know, make fun of or reject or move the Holy Spirit, then you've probably blasphemed them and you can never be forgiven. Guys, come on, really? I, I, I just, I, it's never made sense to me. I, I think that, Many of us would be guilty along the way at some point, even if we just have our own pride and and arrogance um, and and ignorance. But you you mean to tell me that God can forgive the apostle Paul for the systematic murder of many in the early church, but He can't forgive the Holy Spirit can't forgive me in a moment when I don't understand what He's doing, and I make you know I I, in sinfulness I make fun of a move or don't understand it, I discount it, you know whatever in a moment. I I don't, I I personally don't believe that's what that is. I don't believe the Holy Spirit's that sensitive. And so here's what I believe this is about. The word blaspheme that's used in the scripture here, the word blaspheme uh, simply means to insult. And when you look at it, with what we've already talked about, about the Holy Spirit, what is the greatest possible insult to the Holy Spirit? Remember, his job is to draw us to the Father through Jesus, right? So what's the greatest possible insult? To reject him. To say no, right? It's to reject him as he's lovingly and patiently drawn us to the Father. It, salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit. And so if we reject him, if we reject his draw over and over and over and over again, how many of you know eventually time's gonna be up? He can't help us anymore. Uh, we, we know that you're, you're out of chances. Repentance has to come in this lifetime, right? And so I, I think that once you take your last breath, you know, that, that, that's it. I, I personally believe that this is the eternal sin. This is the insult to the Holy Spirit. And, and he, he, what happened? He, he was lovingly and patiently drawing you your entire life. He was pointing to Jesus. He's going, you need a Savior. Come on, take, embrace him. Bow your life to him. And you said, no, no, I don't need you. I don't want you. I don't believe you. No, no, no. What an insult to creator who loved us and gave everything for us. Greatest insult. I believe that's what it's all about. Remember what he said in Genesis chapter 6, my spirit will not always strive with man. I believe that ends when we take our last breath. All that to say, the Holy Spirit is a person and he convicts all of mankind of sin. He reveals to us our need for a Savior. He points us to Jesus. Last thing I want to mention, number three, right quick. uh, Probably not right quick. Just bear with me for a minute. Um, This is the one, because this is most of us. Most of us are Christ followers, and this is where we find ourselves in our lives now. Number three, the Holy Spirit empowers believers. The Holy Spirit, he's the one who brings empowerment into our life to do what God has called us to do, to be who he's called us to be in the earth today. So Several things to look at here in regard to his empowerment in our lives. Firstly, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit unites us as Christ followers. And, and it says he unites us with Christ and seats us in heavenly places with him. He places us in the body of Christ. The Bible says that he seals our salvation. And I'm going to show you several scriptures here in a row we're just going to go through real quick. And I, I am going to move through this part pretty quickly. But I want to show you different ways that the Holy Spirit brings empowerment into our lives. John 3, verses 3 through 7 most of the rest of these I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. It says, Jesus answered, and now y'all know he's talking to Nicodemus here. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And this was confusing to Nicodemus. Nicodemus says, How can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, that's of a, of a woman, and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh. We've all been there. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. This is being born again. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. First Corinthians 12, 13 says, for in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Guys, I, I personally don't believe it's talking about water baptism. I, thought, I you know, it means immersion, and we believe in uh, immersion in water baptism. In the Holy Spirit. We believe in the. Bab- I'm sorry, in baptism in, in, in water, um, the public declaration of our faith. Um, uh, baptism in the holy spirit but i believe this is actually into the kingdom of god i believe i believe it's actually referring to salvation here for in one spirit we were baptized into one body into the body of christ jew or greek slave or free and we were all made to drink of one spirit spirit with a capital s pneuma the breath of god the holy spirit titus chapter 3 verse 5 says he saved us not because of works done done by us in righteousness you know we're not saved by works right Thank goodness. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Uh, one more there real quick. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So I'm just reinforcing to you guys that the Holy Spirit did the work of drawing us to the Father, bringing us into the kingdom, sealing our salvation. And because of his work, we can know who we are. So how else does he empower us? I'm I'm just going to give you quite a few things here right quick. Um, The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit enables us as Christ followers to live in victory over sin. How many of you know that when we say yes to Jesus, we're not to live in sin any longer? We're to turn from our old life. Repentance is very much a part of surrendering uh, to Jesus. Our old selves crucified with Christ. We're made a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that new creation that we've been made is eager to please God, is eager to please the Father. But how do we keep from fulfilling the desires of the flesh? Well, Galatians 5.16 tells us. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They're opposed to each other to keep you from doing those things that you want to do, that your flesh wants to do, those things that are against the will and the heart of God. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Guys, when our life is truly surrendered to the lordship of Jesus, the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to live free from the bondage of sin. That's great news if you didn't know already. That's why sometimes uh, our flesh, how many of you know, our spirit is a new creation, but our flesh is not, right? Our soul is not. Uh, That's why sometimes you have a stinking attitude, right? That's why sometimes you don't respond the best in certain situations, and you got to work on that. That's why the Bible says we got to renew our mind by the washing of the word, right? We got to continually be renewing our minds. But if we truly surrender to Jesus, the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to live free from the bondage of sin. And even when we do mess it up, we're quick to come in and because of our love for him and because of his conviction, we're quick to repent. And we're quick to make course correction. We're quick to make things right and to run on, keep running on forward with him. It's a great thing. Another way the Holy Spirit empowers us is through the fruit of the Spirit. If you truly surrender to Jesus, the Holy Spirit will begin to produce fruit in your life. This is another great thing. And you all know Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And guys, this is really important because Jesus said, he said, you'll know my followers by their fruit. Now, people, go, people don't like talking about that sometimes because they're like, well, I'm not saved by works, brother. No, no, you're, you're not saved by works. You're saved by grace. But if you've truly surrendered your life to Jesus, good things are going to start coming out. Your life is going to start changing. You're a new creation spirit. Not a dead, cursed spirit, but a new creation spirit alive in Christ. The core of who you are is brand new and eager to please God. And so it's going to start coming through. Even your flesh that sometimes is sinful and, like say, doesn't have the best attitude. The fruit of the Spirit should be coming out. If you don't see the fruit of the Spirit coming out in your life, you might need to reevaluate some things and bow your heart to Jesus. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying that you may need to make some changes and and some Christ course correction in your your life. How else does the Holy Spirit empower us? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our helper. Jesus said it in John 15. He says, but when the helper comes... Who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit of Truth is another name that's used in Scripture for, for the Holy Spirit. Who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. It says helper. Some versions say comforter. Some versions say advocate. This is who the Holy Spirit is. It's the, it's the Greek word, uh, uh, it's the Greek word parakletos, and it, it means helper, counselor, uh, mediator, encourager. It can, it can also mean one who comes alongside or one who helps lighten the load. And it actually, they believe it was actually a military turn back in that day because, y'all know, when soldiers were going to war, sometimes they had to walk for days, and they had to carry all their own stuff. So they had their armor, and they had their weapons, and they had their packs. And they're walking sometimes for days carrying all this stuff, and some of them would get weak along the way. But they were trained. What would happen is they had a week when a, a, a guy would come up on either side of them, and there was two guys with link arms under the guy's pack and, 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 and just kind of lighten the load a little bit and help them to keep on walking. How many of you need somebody to help lighten the load sometimes? who the Holy Spirit is in our life. He's our helper. John 14 uh, says, uh, Jesus speaking, he says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father sent in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Guys, I love this. The Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance all the things that Jesus taught. And he will teach us. And he'll teach us. Now, remember, this is what a help that is. Because we got the Holy Spirit coming along, teaching us, bringing things back to our remembrance. And by the way, he knows everything. He knows it all. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. He knows the outcome. He knows every possible. Uh, he, he knows it all. He knows the heart and the will of the Father. Sounds like a pretty good person to have on our side. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Pretty, you know, <laughs> not bad at all. And so, so he comes along and, and he teaches these things. And, and, and think about this too. If he teaches us and if he reminds us of things that Jesus said, he speaks to us. right? He speaks to us. we got to remember that he is a person. He desires relationship with us. We can talk to him. He can lead us and guide us. A couple others real quick. Um, The Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Romans 8, 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I mean, guys, we've all been in that place where we, don't, we just don't even know what to pray sometimes. And we, we just, we're just in there, and we're just seeking God, but we, we don't even know what to say sometimes. And the Holy Spirit's interceding on our behalf. He knows exactly the right things to communicate through us to the Father. He's praying. He prays through us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth. Remember, said a minute ago, it, it, refer, it refers to him as the Spirit of of truth. John 16, 12 says, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them right now. When the spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears from the Father, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Guys, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He helps us to understand and interpret God's word. A lot of people say, well, yeah, I know I should read my Bible, but it's just, gosh, it's so hard, and I just, I just don't understand. Well, guys, I always tell folks, if you going to get into the Word of God, start off, before you ever read a word, stop and say, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to speak to me as I, as I get into the Word. Speak to me. Show me what you want me to see, and speak to me the Word you want me to hear. And I, I just, I'm, I'm just asking you, I'm believing I'm going to get something great out of this today. And, guys, He will lead you. He will lead you in the truth. He reveals the truth to us when it comes to our life and our our worship and and our our Christian living. He guides us. He goes before us. He leads the way. He he removes obstacles. Man, uh, how many of you need some obstacles removed sometimes? He removes obstacles from our path. He opens our understanding. He helps to make things plain and clear as we're walking out this life. And it even says there that he will even tell you of the things to come. As I believe as Christ followers... I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to us a whole lot more than we ever realize. I believe he's always leading. And sometimes we, we're trying to ignore it and we're maybe it's just our conscience or just our mind or whatever. We we had one time, I, I told the story to our church quite a few times, but years ago, we, we were on a road and I, I was I was about to pull out, it was raining. I was we were out in the country up north of town and, um, and it was raining and pouring. And I could go the fast way, which come over here and get on the interstate. Uh, actually it was a lot further around. Or, to take the interstate, but it might be a little easier in the raining, pouring rain and storms. Or I could take a left and take these curvy country back roads that had no lights. But I didn't care. I, I, I'm driving in the rain. But we're sitting there at an intersection. I can take a right and take the interstate, or I can take a left and take these country. Right. And I felt like I need to go right. I, 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 I never thought I was hearing from God. I was like, thought it was in my head. I, I took a left. I'm taking these country roads, the quicker way home. I'm tired. I want to get home, right? I'm taking this road. We're driving along, and, and Shauna even noticed in that moment, I, I man, I was just quiet. I was like, man. and then this heaviness just came over me. And I, I almost started feeling sick at my stomach. I was like, what is happening? And we come to the only stop sign on this on this country road. We'd gone down a ways, we come to this stop. It's a little four-way stop, middle of nowhere. And I stopped there. And she looks at me and she's like, What are you, what are you doing? I, I just sat there for a moment. I was like, we got to turn. And I took a right turn, and immediately that thing lifted. It was gone, just like that. And I, I felt completely normal. Who knows what would have happened if we had stayed on that road that night may not be here to talk about it today, right? I believe the Holy Spirit leads us, and I think a lot of times we just ignore it and we discount it as this or that or my feelings or my emotions or my thoughts or my conscience or whatever it may be for you. He speaks to us. He guides us. He leads us. He warns us. He encourages us. He reveals things to us, and we've got to be open. And I'd say this, guys, and it's the Holy Spirit that delivers on God's promises in our lives. We've got to be open to the Holy Spirit. Last thing I want to mention as I close, um, and I, I don't have a lot of time to spend on this, but I, I talked about it a, a little bit a minute ago, um, is that the Holy Spirit is a gift giver. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We talk about all these other things, but the Bible talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and you can read this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about these, these gifts uh, that the Bible says are, are they, they are there to empower us to be what God has called us to be in the earth, to be a witness to be the hands and feet of Jesus, showing, showing his grace and glorifying him everywhere that we go. And, and this comes through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I know, like I say, I know some of this was, was hit last fall, and m- many in the church teach that this isn't for today, they, they teach that it died off with the apostles, or, or some even teach that it happened automatically when you surrender your life to Jesus, I, I personally don't understand how you can read the Gospels and get that. Um, A a lot of people that I know that that have used those arguments, they're, they're basing that on something they were taught. They haven't actually dug into Scripture and looked for themselves. And that's what I tell people. I don't believe in putting pressure on people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, look, just put down all these preconceptions, all these things you've been told. And open it up, start the book of Acts, look what Jesus says in Acts 1, and look what happens thereafter. And look at everywhere the apostles go, where where they they would lead them to the place of making a decision for Christ. And they would ask them, Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? It would say that in addition to them saying yes to Jesus. And it wasn't just the apostles. It was everybody that we see that they encounter was was there uh, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible, to me, is is very clear that this is a separate experience from receiving Christ. It's a separate experience from being water baptized. And You may have been taught all kinds of things, but if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I, I strongly encourage you to dig into Scripture for yourself and take a look at what it says, and then be open and say, Lord, what do you have for me? and allow him to move in your life. And, and, and I, I don't have a lot of time to go on that further, but guys, we know that Jesus told us, before he ascended to heaven, he, he said, I need you to go into Jerusalem. I need you to wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit who I'm going to send, the helper, the comforter, right? And they did, and, and most of us know what happened on that day of Pentecost, and what, what, a, what a day it was. There's a lot to it, but, but guys, the, the Holy Spirit was released in the earth to empower us to do the work that Jesus gave us. What did he tell us to do? He told us to go into all the world, to be his hands and feet, to share his love and to share the good news that God's, what is the good news? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. God's not mad at mankind anymore. We've got a way out. We've got a way out of this curse. It's through the Savior. It's through Jesus. And we're all desperate for him. And it's to encourage people to say yes to Jesus. Holy Spirit comes in and brings that conviction, drives them whatever, like say whatever it may be to that altar, to that place of repentance, whatever whatever that may have looked like for each and every one of us. But guys, so we got this. He's a gift giver. He gives us these, these spiritual gifts, uh, empowers us to be more effective um, in our uh, in our God given purpose in life. The point: the Holy Spirit's a person. He's fully God. His primary function is to reveal the plan of the Father, to mankind. And everything he does glorifies him. Never a man. That's part of the problem. We see some goofy stuff going on in the world is bringing attention to a person. No, we should always bring attention to him. Always, right? And he wants to walk with you in this life. He wants to be your helper. He wants to be your comforter. Amen?